1: A judge says, you're guilty, and the punishment is this. A father says, you're guilty, and I'm going to do this for your own benefit so that you will change. That's what discipline is about. Discipline isn't what you do to a child, it's what you do for a child. That's true, isn't it? I've
2: seen children whose parents
1: didn't discipline
2: them. What a mess. And the longer parents delay the process of steering their children in the right direction, the farther off course they will be, and of course, the more difficult the job will become. Our prisons are full of people who, as children, were either neglected or abused. So how do we find the right balance? It helps to have a biblical understanding of discipline and to love our children. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida is here today to help us improve our understanding of what the Bible says about discipline. Thanks for joining us today as we continue Pastor Steve's Biblical Parenting Message. We will start out in Proverbs 22, verse 6, but we will also spend some time in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and in Hebrews chapter 12. I hope you have your Bible with you and that you are ready to take some notes. Pastor Steve is about to open class by challenging a popular understanding, or I should say misunderstanding, of a famous Bible verse.
1: Many times parents feel guilty when they don't need to. There are some parents who want to feel guilty, and, and they don't. But many parents have looked at Proverbs 22, six, and they become very discouraged. Here's what it says. Here's what it says in, in my version. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the popular interpretation of this verse goes something like this. If you punch the right buttons in raising your children, you will always get the right product, and all parents whose children fail are totally to blame. That is something like the common interpretation of it. But let me, let me tell you why that's not the interpretation, why well, it's not the correct interpretation. And over the years, I have uh, done some thinking on Proverbs 22.6, and have really changed my view on it. Uh, The reason I know that this cannot be the interpretation of of Proverbs, the right interpretation of Proverbs 22.6, is that it doesn't fit the rest of the book of Proverbs. It's out of sync. It's out of step with the rest of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is designed to help young people make the right choices. That's what the book is about. It's a father instructing his son on making the right choices, the, the wise choices of life. And throughout this book, we are told that parents can teach the truth, but the child must choose wisdom. The child makes the choices. It's his choice. It's not his parents' fault if he doesn't choose wisdom. The parent's role is to present truth. The child's responsibility is to choose to walk in that truth, which would be wisdom. And the book of Proverbs does not call the parents fools if their child disobeys it. Calls who? A fool. Calls the child a fool. Speaks of the child being a fool. Does not put the blame on his parents. It puts the blame on him. So Proverbs 22.6 cannot be an isolated verse completely out of step with the rest of the book of Proverbs. Also, it's a fact that good parents don't always turn out good kids. Say, well, how could you prove that? There's only been one perfect parent, and that's God. And he had directly two kids named Adam and Eve who went astray. Now, if the one who's the most perfect parent had two kids who went astray, then I don't have to wonder if good parents have other children who go astray. Let me give you the right interpretation of this. Because there is a discrepancy in the Hebrew language. Notice where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Uh, Literally, in the Hebrew would be In his way, or according to his way, meaning according to the child's way. In other words, it means this, train up a child in his way, if you train up a child in the child's way. When he is old, he will not depart from it. You know what that means? It's this. Here's the meaning. It is a warning to parents that if you allow your child to do as he wishes according to his own sinful ways, his foolish ways then you should not expect him to change those sinful patterns when he matures. Children left to do as they please will naturally develop sinful habits and responses that will be with them all of their years. That's what he's saying. If you as a a parent let your child's uh, do things that are that's not right, and let him go with his own natural inclinations and his foolish tendencies. Then don't be shocked that when he's old, those tendencies have developed into settled convictions of life and patterns and habits of life. That's what he's talking about. You see, that's a better interpretation based on the Book of Proverbs, based on the um, on the Hebrew language, and also it fits what the Apostle Paul. Is saying in Ephesians 6:4, what he's saying in Ephesians 6:4 is that God has told us not to let them bring themselves up. That's exactly what what Proverbs 22:6 is a warning about. Don't let them bring themselves up, but you are to bring them up. But how? How? How do we bring them up? What can we do so that we'll push our children in the right direction so that they don't uh, form sinful habits? that stick with them all their lives. What can we do to help them make the right choices in life that will turn them from their naturally sinful tendencies? Ephesians 6, verse 4. Bring them up in what? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Those are the two key words. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, you need to know what these words mean. If you don't know what these words mean, you can't bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So let's begin by looking at discipline. Sometimes it's translated nurture, but it's, it, it is simply a broad word that refers to the whole process of maturing a child, of training a child in order to bring him to maturity. It is training that regulates character by offering rewards for achievements and punishment for breaking the rules. The emphasis here is on punishment. It is enforced learning. It is learning with some teeth in it, as we would say. Learning with teeth in it. It is helping them make the right choices in order to live the right way by correcting them when they make the wrong, sinful choices. That's 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 really what this word means. Now I realize very much that that words like discipline and spanking and punishment um, push certain buttons in our society. It, it, our society has built in uh, a built in type of resistance to this we believe that we are an enlightened society and maybe we maybe they spanked years ago but we know so much more now you wouldn't want to stifle a child's creativity you you wouldn't want to bring uh bring any pain to that little lad or lass and and the reason, partly that our society is so sensitive about this is that some parents, in fact, many parents, have abused their parental authority by abusing their children. They didn't they didn't obey they may have done it in the name of the Bible, but they didn't obey the Bible because the Bible says, do not provoke your children to wrath. And crushing them physically is provoking them to wrath. Spanking with uncontrolled anger by an explosive parent is what the Apostle Paul Uh, is not talking about, what is he talking about? Notice verse 4 says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction, don't forget those last few words, of the Lord. It is the discipline of the Lord. It is not my discipline. It's not your discipline. It's the discipline of the Lord. How does the Lord discipline? That's the point. It's not that I'm left to come up with some creative means of what I think is best on how to deal with this, this child. God tells us that he disciplines us, and he's given us enough instruction in his word to know as a father disciplines us, we are to take those principles and discipline our own children. So how does God do it? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Towards the end of your Bibles, if you're not familiar with the New Testament, I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 12. This is perhaps the most helpful passage in scripture about discipline. Because it tells us how God does it, and God is perfect. And so if this is the way he does it, this is the way we're supposed to do it. Hebrews 12, verses 5 and following, uh, we'll take 5 and 6 and then 10 and 11. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My sons do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord, watch, loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Now, first of all, we learn that God's motive for discipline is love. God does this because he loves us, because it's good for us. You say, how could it be good for us? Well, verse 10 says, for they, meaning our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, meaning God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. When God disciplines us, it's to make us more like Jesus Christ. So that's for our good. And verse 11 just reiterates this. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. That's an understatement, isn't it? But sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. When you're going through discipline and God's dealing with you, you may say, thank you, Lord, uh, but it's not the kind of uh, thank you that that isn't mixed with sorrow. It's sorrowful, it's tough, it's rough. But then afterwards you say, oh, but I see now this is what God was doing. He was... He was molding me and training me and making me more like Christ and uh, the fruit of righteousness is coming forth in my life. It's what the Psalmist said when he said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. So uh, let's apply this to raising children. We never discipline a child because they bother us, because they're getting on our nerves. That's what we call selfishness, not godly discipline. God's purpose in discipline is to correct us. Did you get that? That's a key word, to correct us so that our character is changed. Love is the motive. In other words, God is not just punishing us. In fact, he's really not punishing us in the sense that punishment is just uh, meting out justice. A judge does that. A father corrects. A judge says, you're guilty, and the punishment is this. A father says, you're guilty, and I'm going to do this for your own benefit, so that you will change. That's what discipline is about. Discipline isn't what you do to a child, it's what you do for a child. Did you get that? Discipline is not what you do to a child, it's what you do for a child. You are not venting your anger or frustration. You are out of love disciplining, calmly disciplining this child to correct his or her behavior so that they don't do it again, or they'll think twice about doing it again. But someone may think, I've never heard of anything as foolish as that. If you love your child, you wouldn't possibly hurt that child. You certainly wouldn't spank him. That's cruel. That's old-fashioned. That's barbaric. Why would you do that? Well, I think we need to address that.
2: I think we would all agree discipline is hard for everyone. Obviously, it's hard for the one receiving the discipline. But it's also hard for the one on the other end. We know, though, that in the long run, it is worth it. Welcome to Verse by Verse. It's time for a little break from class to say hello to those who have just joined us. We're glad you could be here today. Our teacher for this Bible class of the air is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries is an outgrowth of his continuing teaching at Lakeside. If you missed the start of class or you want to hear it again, you can listen to it for free at versebyverseradio.org. And while you're there, take a minute to sign up for our free podcasting service as well. That's versebyverseradio.org. Let's return to class now as Pastor Steve resumes his teaching on how we can more effectively discipline our children.
1: First of all, let me say, we need to keep in mind that not every act of discipline takes the form of spanking. You ought to recognize that. There's a cause and effect type of deal going on here, and and that's clear in the Bible. Uh, If you do this, this will be the consequence. God did that with Israel in Deuteronomy 28. If you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I'll, I'll curse you and you'll be out of the land. Also, we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 where God, in essence, said to the Apostle Paul, he's sharing with us, he said, if I don't discipline my body, God will will, uh, not use me. God will put me on the shelf. God will not use me. That's a cause and effect, and and we have to use that. There are certain cause and and effects that go on. But the Bible teaches most definitely that children, especially when they are young, should be spanked with a rod when they are disobedient. That may sound old-fashioned, That's not our concern. That's what the Bible teaches. And we ought to do it because we love them. Proverbs chapter 13 says this. Just a few words of wisdom from Proverbs. Proverbs 13 verse 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Now why would you spank him if you love him? See, if you don't love him, you're going to let him go his own way. You may think that you're being modern and uh, in step with society, but if you don't deal with your child, you really hate that child because you don't care enough to, to deal with them. Uh, why would you spank him if you love him? Well, Proverbs 22, 15 gives the answer. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. If you care, you have to deal with him. You see, let me give you a little theology about children, which is true of adults as well. But every child is a foolish little sinner. I know that may break your heart to think of your child that way. We love them, but we want our theology to be right. They're foolish little sinners. They are not little angels. They may look like little angels, and I don't even know what a little angel looks like. But some parents think their children are little angels. They they sort of have their theology over here, but their children are over here. And some some Christian parents think that somehow their children escape the sin nature. You ever notice that? Or they didn't get as much of the sin nature as somebody else's kid. And when you go to them and you tell them what their son or daughter did to your son or daughter or someone else, their attitude is, my son would never do that. Never do that. He wouldn't lie. And I think, you got to be kidding me. you understand what the Bible says? You better get your theology straight. When someone comes to you and says, your child did this, you ought to say, what else did he do? I'm relieved that he only did this because he is capable of doing anything. In fact, he's capable of murder. They're foolish little sinners. They are depraved and fallen, wicked individuals. And if you think I'm being especially hard on them, I'm just being biblical. Because Genesis chapter 8 says this, after, after the flood, which the whole reason there was the flood was because we're, we're all foolish little wicked sinners. But Genesis chapter eight, verse 21 says, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man for the intent of man's heart is evil from what? His youth. He doesn't turn 21 and then he gets evil. His heart is evil from his youth. Psalm 58, verse 3. This is important. You should see this. We're giving a little theology of children. Psalm 58, verse 3. The wicked, I want want you to get there, so let me read it again. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They speak lies. These who speak lies go astray from birth. Now, that's an incredible statement. Incredible statement. What does it mean to be estranged from the womb? Do you realize what he's saying? Before they are born, they are wicked sinners. It means that even in the womb, that little baby is alienated and separated from God because that little baby is a rebellious sinner. And the proof that he is rebellious against God is that as soon as he comes out of the womb, he begins to tell lies. You say, how could that be? can't even talk for a while. Oh, he doesn't need to talk to to, uh, speak lies. Say, well, what, what are you talking about? Your child ever cry when they have no needs? You check the diaper. You've just fed them. They're crying like something's really bothering them. Their little face is turning red. You know why? They're angry that you're not holding them. They're trying to manipulate you to pick them up. There's nothing wrong with them. They are deceiving you. Into thinking that something is wrong. They need you. They don't need you. They just are angry because they didn't get their little ways. They're having a hissy fit. It starts early. That's exactly what this means. And then when he's old enough to speak words, he will lie. So when someone comes to you and says, Your child did this or said that, don't say, My child would never lie. Don't say, My child's capable of lying to the nth degree. We're trying to deal with that. He's naturally a liar. You take the rod and you spank it out of him. But he's naturally a liar. doesn't have to be taught. No one taught me how to lie. That's very, very natural. And why will he do this? Because he's a sinner by nature. Psalm 51, verse 5. David said this. He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. He's not talking about his mother's sin. He's talking about his sin. When I was conceived, I was a sinner. It's natural. We are children by wrath, a children of wrath, Ephesians says. Now, I want to make this clear. I am not suggesting that we spank a newborn infant. I thought about that, and I I know how easy it is to misunderstand uh, when someone's speaking about these things. I am not suggesting that we spank a newborn infant. I don't want you to go from here and say that and believe that. But when the child is old enough to clearly manifest his rebellion against you and God, he ought to lovingly be corrected. Not brutally, lovingly. Doesn't take much. So why do we spank a child when he disobeys? Because he's a foolish little sinner. And the rod of correction will remove his foolishness from him. And if this correction is not consistently applied and and uh, the child is allowed to continue his sinful ways, he will end up in hell, the Bible says. Strong language? Proverbs. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you beat him with a rod, he will not die. I know they come across like they will, but they won't. Not talking, once again, not talking about child abuse, but uh, in fact, uh, with many children before you ever touch them, they sound like they're going to die. So you know it can't be. You shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from Sheol. That was basically another word for, for hell. Why? Because no one ever, if if you let your child go on the way they're going and, and never just, no one will ever persuade this child that uh, it was better to obey. He never felt the consequences and the pain of disobeying. And because of that, He won't submit to any authority, including Jesus Christ. And if you don't submit to his authority, you never come to salvation. That is what salvation is. Uh, I'd like to give you some very practical and helpful aids in spanking your child. Kids are going to love me for this. First, first, this is some practical things. First, make sure your child is guilty. I think that's very important. Some children have been spanked and they were not guilty. They were not guilty. Make sure your child is guilty. Uh, Perhaps that child didn't hear you. You told them to do something, and they didn't hear you. That's very possible. They ought to hear you, but that's possible. Maybe maybe something was going on. They were distracted. Uh, So give clear instructions, expectations. Make sure your child knows what these expectations and instructions are. If he says or she says, I didn't hear you, that's very possible. Second, if he disobeys or doesn't do what he's told the first time, then he ought to be corrected not the third or fourth time, not the third or fourth time, the first time, the first time. Don't let it go to two, three, four times. I was reading Howard Hendricks has a a book on raising the family. And he says this, some parents never expect their children to disobey. And thus they are seldom disappointed. My son was playing with a friend outside my study window. I heard that his, this high pitched unoiled call, Johnny, Johnny never flinched. My boy said, Johnny, your mom's calling you as if he needed the information, Hendricks writes. Yeah, I know, Johnny said, totally ignoring her. This went on for four or five times, each time the decibel level rising considerably. Finally, she exploded with an intensely shrill scream, Johnny! As calmly as can be, Johnny said to my son, Bill, I gotta go now. You see, Johnny had been down that road before, and he knew exactly uh, when his mother meant what she said. This boy was just conditioned, like many of our children, just conditioned, that you don't mean what you say the first time. Or you become a threatening parent. If you don't do this, I'm going to do that. Don't be a threatening parent. If your child doesn't obey you the first time, it needs to be dealt with. Third, when guilt is established, send your child to his room. Don't spank the child in front of others. That's embarrassing and it's humiliating.
2: Those are three very useful tips, Pastor Steve. Thank you. Pastor Steve will be back next time to conclude this class on biblical parenting. We plan to have a brief review of these three tips we just heard before Pastor Steve continues with the rest of his message. We hope today's class was helpful to you. If you'd like to hear this message in its entirety, you can order a CD by calling us at 727-441-1714. Please leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727 441 1714. Our time is running out, so let me conclude by reminding you that Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested people who have first been supportive of their local church. We hope to see you next time on Verse by Verse.